On today's insights, your best content may already be written. Clubhouse is raising more funding and no one seems to care. And we check in with Matt. Are people applying to open jobs yet? And what can you do in May to drive more applications? Today's episode is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Do you have too many job openings going unfilled? Is the solution to just spend more on job ads? Absolutely not. But to succeed in a market like we're facing right now, you need to take a different approach to job advertising. Forget post and pray, forget annual contracts. If you want to fill more of your open jobs, you need a centralized, data-driven, automated solution to managing your job spend. A solution that gives you more control and more flexibility. That's where we come in. With Haley Marketing's Job Advertising Management Services, we use programmatic software to automate your spending. So you save time, reduce wasted spend, and get more people applying to your jobs without having to spend more on advertising. For a free review of your job spend, contact us at 888-696-2900 or visit recruitmentmarketers.com. This is Insights. Welcome to Insights, tips and best practices from the insiders at Haley Marketing. Insights will provide you with the tools you need to master your social media, digital marketing, and employer branding. Your hosts for Insights are Brad Biley and Matt Lozar. What's up? This is Brad Biley and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your digital and recruitment marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are we feeling this week, buddy? Hey, Brad. We're feeling great because we made another trip around the sun. We did it. Yeah. Yesterday was my birthday. Ah, oh, dude. Happy birthday. Thanks. We're a day late on the podcast, but happy birthday. Uh, we, can't, we can't change the podcast just for my birthday. Maybe next year in uh, 2022 if we make it. It'll drop on your day, right? Sure will. Well, hey, man. Happy birthday. Let's Thanks. make it a great episode and let's get to the show. Sounds good. Your best content may already be written. Matt, when we think about content marketing, when we think about creating blogs, videos, podcasts, infographics, slideshares, whatever that media might be, when we think about creating content, maybe our best content's already written. What we see at Halo Marketing when we're working with content clients, we're working with blogging clients, ongoing SEO clients, we're creating that long-form content. What we continue to see is that older content continues to drive page views, continues to drive readership. And that's not to say that you don't need new content this week, this month, this year, whatever it might be. We put out a new insights episode every other week. But Matt, what should we do when we look at the data and we evaluate, hey, we have that unicorn content that is drastically above the rest. What do we do? We start by figuring out what the unicorn content is by looking at our data. And that data primarily will come from Google Analytics, which is essentially the tracking of data on your website to see what's working well in terms of pages and other statistics. We'd look at number of page views, time on page, because if we're getting a lot of page views to a website and people are spending a lot of time on that page, in theory, it means they're, they're reading the content. So now that we've identified our content, if it's Google Analytics or maybe on social media, you'll see content that receives a larger number of clicks than your other content or maybe more 
comments, shares, likes, et cetera, those are signals. So then we have that data figured out and then create new content off of it. I'm thinking from my standpoint, I wrote a job description guide in 2019 that's done really well. It's been over two years and I probably need to update it or create new content off of that. And I think that's the next step you're looking for, Brad. It's pillar content or pyramid content. Thinking through, I like to call it pyramid. I know a lot of the team here at Haley calls it pillar content. You have one unique piece of content that's doing very well. How do you build off of that? I like to think of it as a pyramid. You have that one really great piece of content at the top of it. You start to break it down the pyramid and it gets wider and wider as you make more pieces of content off of other pieces. When you have something that's working for you, you don't necessarily need to go and reinvent the wheel, right? You have a great article, you have a great blog, a great podcast episode, whatever it might be that your audience is driven to. Maybe you had a great take, maybe it's getting picked up in organic search and it's just being viewed, it's being listened to, it's being read. You should be creating more articles off of it, related articles off of it so that you have this spider web of content that's all related. At Haley, when you think through the podcast itself, right now, perfect example for you. You're listening to this on Wednesday. We will put this on our blog. We share it to Podbean. We might share audio clips on social media, small clips. We might take the transcript and break that down into blog posts. We might, at the end of the quarter, put out a blog post of all the episodes or all the segments we talk about. We wrap it into an email newsletter. We wrap it into other supporting marketing materials. Everything we're doing is funneling traffic back to the main hub, the main episode, but it's in different ways. So Matt, for, for sake of this conversation, I think what we really need to stress is that we don't constantly need to think of new ideas. Mm. Let's use the data to our advantage, see what's working, and then build content off of that. You don't have to be creative with new ideas every time, but you have to be reactive to reactive or to the market, I guess, I'm kind of debating on reactive or proactive there. But just looking now where we're at with recruiting challenges since the middle of March, I've tailored a lot of my LinkedIn content to recruiting, direct recruiting, if it's job boards, if it's social media. You know, this week I just did something on job descriptions because it's a challenge. It's not getting easier. I feel the end of April has been even worse than the end of March, beginning of April, which is a little scary, but you have to be able to, to react to what's working well and create those similar ideas that that's really working on. I love your spider web analogy of get the content that's working well together, share links on those pages or even new content, or maybe if you have older content, put links to new stuff on there to help get that traffic. It's There's no simple formula, but just think about what's working well and how all this content can, can support each other. That's one of my favorite things to do with blog posts. Fun fact for you, Matt, is looking at newer articles that I write for Haley Marketing or newer pieces of content that I personally put out for Haley Marketing and look at ways that I can link to older articles. And then I'm going into those older articles, those older resources and linking to the newer content. And you get it just to link back and forth and talk to itself, talk to each other. I think that's a great way to build what we consider a sticky website. How do you get people bouncing around to other pages on your site? It's also great for internal links, which is great for 
uh, search engine optimization. It's great for Google ranking factors. How many internal links do you have? Having people stay on your site time on page is a really good ranking factor. So are you getting people to go from point A to point B, bounce around your site, stay on your site for a while, or are they just coming looking at one article and leaving? So Matt, to, to kind of wrap this up and bring it home for us, look at the data that you have. If you've been blogging for a few years now, you've been creating content. We talk about why you need content on multiple episodes of Insights. This segment isn't about why you need content. Please go back through the old shows and, and think through and listen to our insights on why you need content if that's the boat that you're in. But if you've been creating articles, you've been creating resources for candidates or clients, the sake of this segment is to say, go back to the data, see what's working for you. And as you look at your content strategy for the second half of 2021, wild that I just said second half already. I can't believe we're that far already. But as you look at the second half of 2021, think through, okay, this article is doing really, really well. How can I make two to three other articles that are related to this? How can I create an ebook off of this? How can I create a video off of this? And get all of those resources talking to each other so that you have this spider web of content on your website. Hey, it's Brad checking in real quick before we get to our next segment. Are you looking for ways to stand out from your competitors? Are you wanting to be a thought leader in your market? It's time to look at smart content solutions. Our branded publishing service gives you geographic distribution rights, which ensures no other organization in your industry and geographic area distributes the same publication. You alone, among your regional competitors, will be sending the magazine to clients and prospects, and consequently standing out from your market competition. Ready to own your market? Contact us at 888-696-2900 or visit mamumediallc.com today. All right, let's get back to the show. Clubhouse is raising more funding and... No one seems to care anymore. Matt we, <laughs> Matt, we were looking at the data here a little while ago and we were planning out a show for today. And just recently, Clubhouse, an article came out saying that they went through Series C funding that's valuing the company now around $4 billion. Great for them. Another article in prepping for the show showed the other side of that. Clubhouse app downloads have dropped 72% from February to March. Total app downloads in March, 2.7 million. Not good. Funding's going up, downloads are going down. And Matt, no one seems to care about Clubhouse anymore. I'll go on the record and I love audio content. I love to talk. You know that if you've listened to Insights for, for a few episodes now, Clubhouse was never for me. Matt, talk to me about your take on Clubhouse on audio content. And then I'll give you my take. What's interesting, I love new social media platforms, anything. I've never spent, a, I haven't spent one second on Clubhouse. I haven't signed up, haven't begged friend of the show, Brad Smith, for an invite. I don't, I'm trying to figure out why. Um, there's a bunch of reasons. I'm not going to steal Brad's take, but I came up with one here. I think the, the influences on there are interesting. I'll go somewhere and spend time if the content's really good. We've talked about that on, on the show before. It doesn't matter what format it is. The non-staffing example for me is The Athletic. I love The Athletic. I think it has some of the best sports writers in the country. And I will go there and give them 
money every month to read that content because it's quality and it's interesting to me. Unrelated though, maybe the challenge for me with Clubhouse is it's audio. And I like to consume my phone on you know on the couch in two minute bits, but it's going to make noise. And if I don't have headphones in, I'm going to get looks in my house from my wife and daughter. And she's like, what are you listening to? And I'm going to be like, well, you know, Clubhouse. And she's going to look at me like I'm crazy And when I explain it to her. But the noise might be just a challenge. Clubhouse to me is the Microsoft Wii. If I want to sit down and play video games, I want to sit on my couch and not move. I don't want to run around in my living room like the Microsoft Wii. And I kind of think that's why that platform and that, I guess, gaming console died. When I think about social media, Clubhouse feels like way too much work. If I want to mindlessly scroll on TikTok, I want to mindlessly scroll on Twitter, Instagram. I love social media, Matt. I'm afraid to even report on my screen time. I'm not going to do that on this show. I don't want to sit here and listen to audio at night. That's not for me. Another take, Matt, Clubhouse just doesn't have enough differentiation into why I need to be on Clubhouse. Clubhouse was killed because Twitter and Facebook said, you know what? This is cool. We can do it too. Do it here instead. And Clubhouse didn't have that, oh yeah, or doesn't have that, oh yeah, but you should do it here instead. There's just no reason why you need to be creating audio content on Clubhouse instead of on Twitter spaces or on Facebook audio. First off, I'm not bought into any of them. And again, I love audio content. I love to talk. I love hearing myself talk. We all know this. This is nothing new. But for me, it just doesn't work. And Clubhouse, and maybe I'll come back and, and I'll hate this take in a couple months. I don't know. But right now, as this episode goes out, Clubhouse for me doesn't work because there's not enough why. Why do I need to be doing this on Clubhouse? As soon as Facebook rolled it out and as soon as Twitter rolled it out, the, the app downloads started to drop. You had 72% drop off in March compared to February. And that's just the latest data that I could see when we recorded this. There's just no why. Can you give us the quick rundown of what Clubhouse is for, for listeners? We, we failed. Sorry, listeners. We failed yep. you there. But uh, what Clubhouse is, how it works, 30 seconds-ish. Clubhouse is a audio social platform where users can go in and have a conversation on a given topic. It was invite only, so it was very exclusive. You couldn't just sign up for Clubhouse. You had to get an invite from somebody who was already on Clubhouse. They, they created this exclusivity. Oh, I hate that word. That's like aluminum for some people. Exclusivity for me is just so tough to say. But they created this, this exclusive club where you had to get an invite to get into Clubhouse. And then from there, you join other rooms where you can have a conversation on a given topic. It was very popular for a couple months. Very popular. I think Elon Musk led a room. He led a chat. Everyone was in there listening to what he had to say. The challenge, though, is once it gained popularity, Facebook, as it does with just about everything, said, we'll do this too. And within two to three weeks after Facebook deciding we're going to crush you, they crushed them. Twitter rolled it out in Twitter spaces. So now when you log into Twitter, you'll see that at the very top, that it's an audio room. 
but it's essentially an audio platform where people can go in and have a conversation on a given topic. I think that's a challenge. You said just with, there's no reason to go there. My example with the the sports writing app I use is those used to be newspaper writers or other journalists. That's the only place their content is. We can consume content from Elon Musk. I think Mark Zuckerberg was on there. I know two polarizing figures, but I'm sure there's other great people in there. And it's just, it's another platform, which is a challenge. It's on my list. We won't share my screen time either, but I think the audio part of it's really, really interesting to me that kind of just dawned on me as we're sitting here talking. You know, what's tough about audio content is that it's raw. When you're talking live on Clubhouse, you have to have your stuff together or people are going to expose you very quick. I can sit here for 10 hours and think through the perfect tweet. I can sit here with Photoshop, edit an image, throw it on my Instagram in five hours, whatever it might be, right? I can spend a ton of time is the point, getting that piece of content prepared. I can spend a month writing a blog article. When you're live on Clubhouse, if you don't know the topic, if you don't know what you're about to say, you're going to get exposed super quick. So the average social user is crazy intimidated by that. People aren't just going to hop into a clubhouse and say what they're thinking because for the most part, they're hiding behind their Twitter fingers in the first place. So it's just, it's a cool concept in theory for thought leaders, for strategic thinkers, for people that are speakers, presenters, individuals who want to have that audio drive and have that audio push for their content. It's just not doing it for me. Just take the podcast, folks. That's where I think it's at. And I know that they want to start launching more live podcasts. I know um, uh, a podcast I listen to, Socks in the Basement, White Sox podcast. They did a live podcast the other day. I didn't know that that was a thing, but it was pretty cool. They were live at a bar outside of the ballpark. They went live and and it showed up in the podcast player. It was super cool. So Matt, just to wrap this up, because I feel like we're getting long-winded on Clubhouse. And and for two guys that never downloaded the app, I feel like we've exhausted what we can say about this. Clubhouse continues to raise funding, but app downloads continue to decrease. And my final take here is going to be, you can't invest everything into rented land. You can't put all of your chips into a new app because you have no idea what's going to happen to user adoption over time. You also don't know what the superpower that is Facebook is going to do to that application. And feel bad for the founders of Clubhouse, but when you think through the fact that you created an audio platform that's easily replicated... You didn't have enough stuff when you when you brought it to market. And that's just competition 101. You need something that differentiates you. You need something that gives people a reason to go to your app, to go to your staffing firm. And if you don't have that differentiation, they're going to go somewhere else. Matt, let's round out the show. Are people applying to open jobs yet? No, show's over. All right, we'll call it a day. Uh, in all seriousness, it's still a challenge. It's... It's a really big challenge, and I feel even more companies are are experiencing that. You know, we're aware of the pain that all companies are feeling. This isn't just staffing. This is you're starting, I think, to really see media coverage of restaurants. There was a story McDonald's where I think a franchise owner was offering fifty dollars just to show up for an interview, and it wasn't great locally. The first food truck ever in the Buffalo area, it's Lloyd's. Shout out Lloyd's. They're not listening, but shout out Lloyd's. They can't get workers for their truck. So the truck's parked outside their 
restaurant location, I think, but it's a challenge. So we can't just throw up our arms up in the air and come back in whenever the day comes that the switch flips, but we need to think about ways to find candidates for all those open orders. Cause I literally was talking to a, a company yesterday. He told me his revenue number that's annual said he's sitting on pretty much the exact same amount of business. So if you were a $1 million company, he said, I'm sitting on $1 million worth of business. It was bigger numbers, but it's, we hear it all the time and we know it's a challenge. Matt, is it that candidates are more passive right now, or is it just candidates simply aren't looking and they're taking the summer off? If they're taking the summer off, it's going to be a long summer breaks. We're not even in May. Right. Um, Canada traffic does traditionally slow down in the summer, which is a little scary. Why I think these at this end of April trend could be um, seasonal as well. Something we always look at here at Haley Marketing. I think, to me, the data is showing. I ever I manage budgets for clients on Indeed, ZipRecruiter, etc. One of the strategies in online advertising, whether it's Facebook, Google, wherever you're buying a click. So every time someone clicks, you pay money. If you're paying 10 cents, 50 cents, a dollar, $10, whatever. One of the strategies is when you're not receiving clicks to pay more because it's an auction. When someone goes to Indeed and searches warehouse worker, if Brad's staffing agency is 75 cents and Matt's is a dollar, Matt's is probably going to get shown first because Indeed makes more money when they click on my job posting. I'm increasing bids. We're not getting more applications. We're just getting more expensive applications which to me means we're reaching the same job seeker. We aren't reaching more job seekers. So if Brad's applying to Matt's job, instead of me paying $10 for that application, because I increased my my bid to get Brad's attention, now I'm paying $15 for the same exact application. I just don't think people are searching for jobs. To answer your question in a long-winded format. It's interesting. And being in the staffing and recruiting industry, it's alarming. We talk to clients every single day and the same conversation comes up of, Brad, we can't get anybody to apply to a job. And if they apply and they have a, they, they might have a first interview, if they have a first interview, they're not showing up on day one. It's the same conversation and it's alarming. I mean, you think through the fact that we're in an industry that puts great people to work and great opportunities what happens when those people don't want the opportunity? (laughs) And it's not just one specific niche or vertical where it's, okay, well, hey, you can't find candidates in X, start looking in Y or or pivot and diversify your staffing options. You know, Start diversifying the the roles or, or what you're trying to fill. It's across the industry and it's across the country. Matt, what are you seeing working well to attract passive candidates right now? To attract passive candidates, that's a challenge. Um, We need to focus on a couple of things. I think the short-term play is focusing on why they should apply for this job today. It's, do you have a job that's high paying? Do you have benefits that can help? Can you tailor messaging to find the best jobs now, work for the best employers now? to not having gaps in your resume. So when everybody comes back to work, whenever it happens, and it will, you're not part of that 
big influx of applications and you have you you're already employed or it's easier to answer that question. I think the longer term play is to really start to look at your brand and your employer branding. We did a brainstorming exercise last week to talk about why the staffing industry and then why your company because there's two ways to look at this. It's to look at it if the amount of people applying for jobs in the staffing industry stays the same or even goes decreases, we got to get more people into that begin that pool. So we need to educate and explain why someone should consider working with for a staffing agency. And then the other part that kind of go hand in hand that you can run concurrently is why Matt's company versus Brad's company or why your company versus the five companies in your town. That's that's the way to really start to focus on those those passive candidates. Because with employer branding also, if you start to chip away and run advertisements and stay in front of people, you're not, you might not see the applications today here at the end of April, beginning of May, whenever you're listening. But when they do, you want to be at the forefront in the top of their mind. And that's a challenge because it doesn't bring ROI today, but you want to stay top of mind with those, those passive candidates. One theme that I'm hearing there consistently is transparency. It's letting candidates and applicants know exactly what you'll do for them, exactly how you'll help, what your process is like, what they can expect when they submit a resume, what they can expect when they come in through your front door, what they can expect when they actually go out on assignment. People are still scared, Matt. You think through what we're dealing with right now, people are still scared. They're nervous. So if I'm comfortable in my job and I know my work setting, right? And I'll use myself as an example. I'm comfortable. I work from home. I know I can't get COVID in these four walls that I work in in my home office. I feel safe. I am maybe a little more reluctant to apply to a new job because I don't know what's going to happen if I apply, get, get an offer. And now I need to go into an office with 400 people. And we have some businesses in Buffalo that are massive. I don't want to work in that setting. So the more transparent that we can be with applicants in salary, where they're going to be working, how they'll be working, where they'll be working in terms of actual on-site, off-site, what sort of protective, you know, masks, things like that are you going to provide? I think we need to do that. And Matt, it changes the landscape of just Brad Biley applies, interview Brad, put Brad to work. Matt Lozar applies, interview Matt, put Matt to work. It becomes this whole relationship nurturing personal one-to-one conversation, understanding what you can do for an individual, having that individual's best interests in mind, coaching them, working with them and saying, listen, send us your resume. When the right opportunity based on who you are and your skills pops up, I will call you. You will be the first person I call and work with that individual. It might be more work and it shifts our logic and it shifts our framework a little bit from just that transactional Thousand applications come in. We interview twenty people. We put one person to work. The rest are, you know, back into the clutter. But we might need to shift to that. What you're saying, though, is the exact thing that helps the industry survive. There's been so much talk of automation, on-demand apps, gig platforms, online staffing. Name your buzzword. But it's a relationship-driven industry, and if you can eliminate all those boring manual tasks with tech and automation, then your team has more time to talk to the people who want to work for you or are considering to go to work for you and use their skills as recruiters to build those relationships. 
and, and nurture them and make someone feel valued. That's what's going to keep you in business. So let's stay on that for a second. Relationship 101. If you're listening now, think through your candidate database over the last six months, people that you've put to work in the last six months. When was the last time you shot them an email? When was the last time you gave them a phone call? When was the last time you had a one-to-one conversation just to check in and see how people are doing, how every single one of those candidates you've placed is doing? Are you having that active relationship with your associates, with the people that you put out on assignment? Or are you still operating in a transactional, 100 people apply, I interview 15, I put one to work. Repeat the process. Think through how you can have a better relationship with your candidate pool than anybody else in your local market. So that when somebody is looking for their next job, they know that they need to come to you instead of somebody else because you're going to treat them better than anyone else. If people have options right now and people continue to have options, they're going to have more options in a year. How can you decide and how can you help them decide that you are the perfect individual and the perfect company to partner with them on their career growth? That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us? You could tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at HaleyMarketing.com. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You could check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. My podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.